Hi. So, this episode will be widely different than the one I did yesterday, which was all just about pop culture and things like that. This one is about that today is Chester Bennington's birthday. So, it's about pretty much everything else I talk about. (laughs) You know, trauma and mental health and suicide and things like that. Um, his birthday, the two days that are always the hardest, the, the hardest day is most definitely, um, the day he died and that's in July. So we got, it's actually in exactly four months, which is just weird, but you know, we got four months to go before having to do that day again. That day is just, ugh. That day is so hard every time. I feel like this is the opposite of how it should go, but every year, for me at least, it gets harder on that day because um, I think it's because of me being able to work through more things with my own like trauma and childhood, and I get more and more upset that he didn't get the same opportunity that I did and that a lot of people that he met in his life didn't treat him right so he wasn't able to like get over that last hump and so that day always just makes me really sad because you know he's a child sex abuse victim and he deserved to have been treated much better than he did uh he should still be alive And so that day is just, like, a lot of sadness about not just him. Like, it is him because I, you know, he was, his music and everything, and him just as a person. When I was trying to get through, like, the really tough times was something that helped me a lot. Um, And, but it's more about, like, that there's so many other people like him that have gone through the same thing and didn't make it and it makes me so upset to see to think about that that there's so many people that don't deserve it's like almost like weird survivor's guilt like I somehow made it through my childhood and my life and the whole process so far of dealing with all of this and have somehow made it through alive and there's so many cases of people who have gone through what I have and they haven't made it through alive um so it's it's weird it's I don't know if I can call it survivor's guilt on that day and on his day in July but it's because it's more the opposite it's more like being upset that that I made it but not everybody else did because everyone should make it through that alive uh, ugh. Um, but his birthday is not like that. It's more of like a, uh, there's still like some sadness just because, you know, it's, he hasn't celebrated his birthday. He's been dead now for, for, this is the fourth year of his birthday after he's died. So it's just, uh, like a weird kind of thing of time passing. Um, but at the same time, it's also, you, most of the time for me, this day is 
the last like year or so especially has turned into more of like a day where to uh remember him and and just celebrate uh the effect that he had on my life and he continues to have and like who he was and like there's so many uh he was really funny like there's a lot of videos that of him that just make me smile or make me laugh and I haven't watched them in a long time and last night before I went to bed and this morning I've been watching them again and laughing a lot and just smiling it like just makes me happy and it's really nice to be able to watch something with him in it and not just feel sad you know to be able to like feel like I'm more celebrating him or remembering who he was um and I don't know I I feel like it's important to make a distinction with him too to remember who he was outside of his like celebrity and by that I mean like who he was as a person not just who he was as an artist because everybody knows musically like and yeah just artist wise how good of an artist he was I do feel like as time goes on and people go back and listen to his voice um especially there's a lot of um like my favorite tracks to listen to is the ones where uh where they like manipulate it where all you hear is his voice and you can just hear how good he was at singing and every time that happens I'm just like holy shit balls (laughs) because he could do like literally anything he that's like the amazing thing about him artistically is that no matter I feel like no matter what path he went on in his life like if his family wasn't complete trash um he would have he still probably would have done music it just would have been a different kind of music um because he could do any any kind of music um because he can his voice could do anything and that's really rare so like that part I feel will um is something that will stand the test of time especially because he has a lot of friends that are musicians even outside of Lincoln Park but like other people that knew him and loved him and I feel like younger generations will still find him and listen to him and be like holy crap because that's just obvious and like his songwriting did helped like millions upon millions of people um like it's that part is always weird for me to think about that like when I was in high school and college and stuff um every year of my life that I heard them from like 17 to like 20 to like 33 all of those years I listened to them and I loved his songwriting and like out of all of those like emo or like um like whatever kind of rock bands you want to call them from that time of like the 2000s and stuff um like there's a lot of different names people use new metal that's the other one people called them I don't really think they fit into any category but even if they did or they did at the time 
um, they were like the only band that I ever really gravitated towards and that was definitely a hundred percent because of his songwriting because he was writing about like his childhood trauma and abuse and narcissistic parents and um being abandoned and ignored and being a child sex abuse victim and uh being in relationships when you're older that are also not healthy and narcissistic and abusive and how did how did I end up in this situation all that all that stuff we all go through but it's weird because like I wasn't fully like admitting that I I was in denial about that I was a sex abuse victim and or that even I was in denial about a lot of stuff (laughs) through all those years about how hard like childhood actually was or how messed up my family actually was um so it's one of those weird things where it's like almost like in spite of myself I listened to his music and identified with it so much that it like overrode the parts of myself that was like in denial and couldn't fully like be aware of everything that I had gone through because it was just too much for me but he was always there as like this uh but his music somehow his songwriting especially still like somehow got through all of that um like after all that talk about his music I uh, after all that I just said about his music I wanted to say that because most people know about him as an artist but I feel like it's just as as important to remember him as who he was as a person because honestly when it comes down to it like the reason why he I still talk about him um, I still, like, think about him a lot on his birthday, and July 20th, the day he died, is still really hard, and everything is because of who he was as a person, not because he was, like, a successful music artist, um, which is, I think, an important distinction to make, like, I said this to one of my friends recently, but, like, my Lincoln Park friend, I said to her, like, he was, he's a child, he's my favorite child sex abuse advocate, he just happened to do it by making music, as opposed to, you know, other things, that's how I see him, that's why I, that's why he's important to me, it's not, like, the, only the celebrity thing, it's like, that's how he, we all kind of find it different ways to work through our trauma, and, and a lot of that I think tends to be creative because that's just a way to like let all those things out for him that was his way of doing it but that's what he was doing like he like openly said in interviews many times throughout the years that he joined a band um for therapy like he was not stupid he knew he needed something and that was his way of doing it because he had no other options at the time And that was what he always used music and songwriting for, was to get, like, those, like, try to deal with the things that he was going through at the time. Um, But, yeah, like, it's just been nice to watch things with him that make me laugh and to not feel, like, to not have, like, the sadness of of, that he died by suicide um, be, like, as prevalent as it used to be so that's a good sign for me like he's still like around um 
and everything. Like, he's still gonna... I don't think there's ever gonna be a time where I'm not gonna think about him or he's not gonna be important to me because of just who I am as a person, honestly. (laughs) It's hard to, um, put it, to, like, explain it almost, but when... 2019 was the hardest year of my life. Like, it's hard to say that because I feel like when I was a child and was actually going through the abuse, those years were harder, but I don't really, I don't really remember those. So it's hard for me to, I can't really say that because I don't actually remember most of the things that happened in all of those years. But I remember 2019 and 2018 was definitely the hardest year of my life like, by far, that was, yeah, that was really bad, and, um, watching interviews with him talking about mental health and his own mental health and depression, and he never said PTSD, and I honestly don't even know if he ever even got diagnosed with PTSD at some time in his life, but it was obvious, like, you can't, like, you can't go through, uh, being, a child sex abuse victim and being raped like he was for six years and also being a part of a narcissistic family like he was um and not end up coming out of it without complex PTSD pretty much so I honestly think like sometimes his oldest kid will do interviews about mental health and he'll say things like he thought that he had he was bipolar which is possible he could have been bipolar too but part of me wonders if he just had complex PTSD, but they, like, didn't realize that's what it was and uh, thought that he was bipolar because, like, the part of complex PTSD is, like, emotional flashbacks, like, you, which is a really hard concept to kind of figure out when you're having them, and it's still difficult for me sometimes. Uh, but, like, a good example of emotional flashback was, like, the episode I did yesterday, even though it was about a TV show, um, like, the couple hours after I watched the show, I kept associating and, and thinking about stuff, and I was angry about watching the show, and I was angry about watching the show because it was showing a trauma victim that wasn't getting that wasn't getting the support that he should be getting. Like, the thing that made me the most mad about that show was, um, besides, like, the the U.S. government being awful, which is, like, just trauma for everyone, but, um, was that Bucky was seeing a therapist that wasn't helping him, was not good for him, but he was, like, didn't really seem to have a choice about seeing her. So the fact that he was stuck seeing this therapist that wasn't good for him, I just wanted, I just want him to see somebody that would actually help him. Um, and it brought, and like, that was a trigger for me because the first therapist I saw was horrible and it took me like 10 months to figure it out. But like, you know, she didn't help me. My life would have been a lot easier during that time and the months afterwards if, she was someone who was actually like competent at her job but she wasn't um so like that was an emotional trigger for me to see someone going through something similar that I did and not getting the support because that does happen a lot and there is we definitely go back and forth with like therapists or doctors or people in your life 
and like that feeling of needing support and not getting it from people you thought you would get it from is hard um and yeah so that was an emotional flashback so I could understand how like his kids or like people in his life might have thought that he was bipolar because if you don't know what emotional flashback is and you don't understand why you're suddenly getting really angry or sad or like depressed or whatever because something that has happened and you don't know where the fuck that is coming from it is easy to think that that it might be like bipolar disorder which can have like rapid kind of like manic ish mood swings sometimes depending on how it manifests in you so like I can understand how they might come up with that if they don't know and like uh, the thing about PTSD is that it makes me so mad still is that so many people don't know about it or don't know about complex PTSD or anything like that they're like I was thinking about this the other day because the friend that I reach out to that I went through that whole saga with in the last week or in the last like year especially um, with that group of friends one of those friends she was the first person that I ever met that talked about PTSD and I remember asking her like you can get PTSD if you're not a veteran like I honestly didn't know that that was in like 2018 and I didn't know like three years ago that you could get PTSD if you didn't have if you weren't a veteran like I had I thought you had to go to war in order to get it and she was the one that told me like no it's just that that's the only time people ever talk about it but like you can get it if you've been traumatized by anything and that like totally opened my eyes but like I was like 33 years old And I had had PTSD since I was young and had no idea because it's just not out there. So much of, like, PTSD is seen just through, like, the veteran lens. Um, And it, it, like, bothers me so much. Like, even, like, there's, like, charities that will um, help people get, help people with PTSD get a service dog. Like my like dream one day is to have a service dog that would be like amazing to just help on days um where on like bad days and things like that um but like all of the charities at least in like the wisconsin area even in like the other states around us they only will like accept you for their charity their chair like usually getting a service dog is really expensive but there are charities that you can go through where you can get one for free. Like, you have to wait for a while, but still. But, like, these charities, you can't even apply unless you're a veteran. And it's that kind of stuff. Like, what the fu- fuck? Like, people who have it, who have gone through things similar, that have the same disorder that people who, like, went to, like, war and were shot at, you would think that you would get help sooner (laughs) or that you would you would get like support from people because if you didn't have to go to war and get shot at and you still have the same problems as someone who did then that means that whatever you went through was really scary and you should get support but like there's yeah so that's one of those things that I think about with him too is when I watch interviews with him I feel like 
he had complex PTSD, but he just, but he just didn't know, um, what was happening. Cause I didn't know for a really long time. I, when I first started looking into things, I thought that I had complex P- I thought I had like, I was scared I had bipolar disorder. Sometimes I still get scared that I have borderline personality disorder. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's that, um, therapists that I have had thought that my one or both of my parents could have had that. So I, I just hate the idea that I have something that, that like I got something from them because of how they treated me. Like, obviously there's a lot of things like that I got from them, but I just hate the idea of having the same disorder that they had. Um, but, like, there's a lot of kind of, like, overlap in those sort of disorders, because most of them come from, like, you don't get those unless you've gone through, like, some serious trauma, which is why it's, like, hard when you, like, it's good that there's information out there now where people can watch videos about, like, these are symptoms of this and this and this, but sometimes they can just freak you out, because there is a lot of overlap between them. Um, so I think about that with him a lot, that, like, just because of his age, that he was, that he grew up in, like, the generation that really didn't talk about mental health at all, and it just wasn't, people didn't talk about it, especially men, that, like, he just might have not known. Like, I remember him doing interviews and like his oldest kid has done interviews since he died saying that he didn't know he didn't realize that even that he even had like uh depression like what I call like I was uh diagnosed with major depressive disorder which is basically just being chronically depressed and he didn't realize that he had depression until like 2015 or 2016 when he went through, like, a really hard time right before he died, and, um, because he still had, because he still had friends from where he grew up that were telling him probably that he was being too dramatic, or, like, his, his oldest kid basically said things like that, like, that he had people that weren't good for him in his life that, like, downplayed what he was going through, and I think probably just, told him that was all due to addiction and ignoring the fact that a lot of people who end up addicted to something are end up addicted to that because they have gone through like serious trauma like that's usually where that comes from like your addiction is the thing that you do to like as like a coping mechanism to help you cope with your reality that's where a lot of that a lot of it comes from that. Not all of it, but a lot of it comes from that. So I think that for him, he just had people in his life who downplayed what he was going through a lot and probably told him it was just, like, about the fact that he was an alcoholic when, like, the big picture is that you're an alcoholic because when you were a kid, you were raped for seven years and your parents didn't care or notice and abandoned you and you need to do something in order to like continue living and deal with like what you were stuck with with your life um 
not because you're like a bad person who just ended up like like he did started drinking and doing drugs when he was like 12 because his parents just didn't just didn't care his mom was around wasn't around after his parents got divorced when he was 11 his dad his dad i swear to fucking god like obviously i have uh dad issues so this could be like some overlap with my own dad issues but i swear if i could get away with like hitting his dad in the face with something over and over again i would do it because he makes i laugh just because i'm like wow that's aggressive but it's like that because he makes me so mad his dad was a the thing that makes me so mad about his dad is that I feel like he, I feel like he had to have known what was going on, like, when he was being raped, and just didn't want to deal with it because of his own bullshit, because his dad was a police officer for, like, the Phoenix, Arizona Police Department, and he worked in the child sex crimes unit, so his literal job was investigating when people made claims about blaming like children and their parents or whoever reported being like raped or abused by someone so like it's it was his he knew the signs somewhat and like the other part of that is that his job as a police officer is basically to ask children these like super invasive questions and make them relive their trauma and then because they like change their story at some point because more of their more of your memories come back as you start working on it probably like denied taking their cases to court <laughs> so there's that part of it too because that's basically the role most of the time of the police in situations like that um but it's just like you definitely knew the signs and had to have seen it with your own child uh there's no way that you didn't like just from my own personal experience, I just know that there's, if, when it's happening, like, like that, like what happened with him, it happened from when he was six to when he was like 13. So whoever it was that did that to him, like when it's chronic like that and keeps happening over and over again, there's just no possible way that the like parental figures that are around aren't noticing their kid changing or like that things are happening. Somebody would have said, like, heard something, seen something. It's just, yeah, it's just not possible. Like, I thought that for a while, but I know it's just not possible to have not known, especially when one of the parents that were there, his job was investigating sexual crimes against children, so he would know more than anyone else. Um, like, the physical and the emotional symptoms that we show so that's why I want to like beat his dad with something anything in the face because I'm very sure that he knew about had some idea about what was going on just didn't want to deal with it and acted like he didn't know probably um and especially the fact that he was a police officer like he probably was like you know if uh, I come forward that this happened to my son, then what does that look like for me? I'm a, I'm a cop. I'm supposed to protect my kid, and then I'm supposed to protect my kid from being one of the victims that I deal with on a daily basis at work, and I didn't do that. Um, 
So I feel like it was, like, a mix of his stupid-ass fucking bullshit, like, narcissistic ego. And um, just wanting to be in denial as long as he possibly could. His family is the thing that makes me the most upset, honestly. Because, like, on his, the day that he dies, died in July... His family is what I always think about that makes me so angry, and it's definitely attached to how I feel about my own family, but just even outside of me, it just makes me sad that he had to go through that, that, just that period, that go through his family and deal with that, and never got the support that he really needed until he was until he could get away from them. But even when he was older, like he, the, the members of Lincoln Park were like his real family. They were his found family. They definitely supported him and everything. But, you know, he was 20 something by then, like 23, I think. So a lot of damage had been done. And it's also not like the, uh, the damage or the abuse like stopped at that point. Like, he had kids, so he probably felt like he wanted his kids to see his grandparents or his family, so they, he definitely went, like, back and forth throughout the years, and I totally get that. That would be so hard. It's so hard to cut your family out of your life, and especially, I think, it takes on, like, another meaning when you have children, because then I can, oh my god, like, I don't want to have kids, but I can just imagine, like, imagine the shit that my mom would pull to try to, like, shame me and make me feel bad into seeing my kids, like, I just want to be a grandmother, don't you want your kids to know me? I just want to spoil them, why are you being some, oh my Jesus Christ, (laughs) I already know that's what it would, that's what they would do to me, uh, oh my god, it would be horrible. And, like, your kids wouldn't understand either, like, why you don't have, why they don't have grandparents or aunts or uncles or anything like that from your side of the family when most people do. Um, so that's a whole other thing, too, of having to explain that. That would be hard. So, yeah, I, uh, his family was, is, like, when I think about the reason why he died, I just think of his family. Especially, especially is like easy to do that because his sister and his mom are out here perpetuating a ridiculous QAnon theory about him. Like, just in case you've ever been curious about why QAnon plays Lincoln Park at their like rallies or whatever, it's because there's this ridiculous theory that they believe that he was not he did not die by suicide, that he was murdered, and he was murdered because he knew about the sex trafficking ring that they, that they say, like, that every, like, powerful or celebrity person in the universe is, is in, and that he was going to expose it all, and that's why they killed him, and they think that because in 2012, five years before he died, Lincoln Park played at, like, a Clinton, the Clinton, like, fun foundation like thing they like played it they like went to like a something they like their foundation put together because they were trying to raise money for Haiti after I think the earthquake that they had 
um, like Lincoln Park members actually traveled to Haiti a few times throughout the years and they had a nonprofit they did themselves that was a charity to that they always gave money to help like unprivileged people around the world um, so they're trying to just raise money for their own by doing this thing with them but because they had like one photo taken with where Chester was in a photo with Bill Clinton and that was enough for them to like come up with this whole crazy uh, conspiracy theory which is horrible <laughs> like the reason why he died was definitely not because of covering uh, trying to cover up a sex trafficking cult that's ridiculous and it, it like I feel like it says everything you need to know about his family and also about like how narcissism is so destructive and just messed up that his own mom and his own sister believe this and like openly talk about it on social media it's crazy like I have my own issues with my problem with like when he died was that the police just did not give a flying fuck about really looking into anything about how he died or anything like that because he had a history of mental illness they just didn't care and I have a big problem with that with the police in general that like if you mention that somebody has a mental illness then they like if you go missing they just don't give a fuck about you and like knowing that he had struggled with mental illness in the past when he died he should have been still given like the same kind of an investigation anyone would have been given if they died without like a natural cause being obvious um but he wasn't given that because because he had a hard life that has nothing to do with anything about who he was like having ptsd or depression or anything else shouldn't ever stop anyone from from shouldn't stop the police from like looking for you if you're missing or investigating how you died to make sure that like that you did die by suicide instead of just being like oh we just don't care goodbye <laughs> like the stupid uh QAnon um conspiracy theory started about Chester's death because the police didn't do anything and there's like these questions that people always wonder about and it's like there wouldn't there's those questions wouldn't be there if they just would have interviewed like one or two more people and put it in like their report that ended up being like posted publicly later like all those questions would be answered QAnon fuck faces wouldn't be talking about him acting like they care about him his family wouldn't be coursing like posting that they would have they probably would have come up with a conspiracy theory about his death because the idea that he died by suicide because of it like struggling with dealing with his own trauma from his childhood and his life and how he feels about himself because of them not supporting him and not helping him when he was being abused all those years and trying to cover it up all the time and act like everything is fine would be too much for them to handle <laughs> so no matter what his mom and his sister would have come up with some other reason for why he died and then conspiracy but like QAnon wouldn't be involved and they would have had to work harder to figure that out if it like if the police actually did what they're supposed to do <sighs> yeah 
I can't help talking about his narcissistic family every time I think about him. Because it just makes me, I relate to him so much. It's so annoying. Because I say it's annoying because I don't want him to have gone through anything like I have. I hate when I hear about people who have gone through things similar as me, but he did. There's a lot that is very, very similar in a lot of ways that I really don't like. Uh, It makes sense why I feel, like, so connected to him when I hear about this stuff, because it's not exactly, like, something that most people go through. Thank goodness! But still, like, when you find someone that has, it makes sense why I've I've always felt, like, this weird, like, affiliation or affinity to him. Um, Like, the more I found out about all that stuff. Um, But I guess... I just wanted to record this to almost, like, talk about all this stuff again, to still, like, keep his memory here and keep, like, still think about him. Like I said, most of the feelings that I'm feeling today are more of a, he was a great fucking dude. And I'm so glad that he, that I was alive at the same time as him for 30-some years, and I'm glad that he was able to help me um even after he died his music and the interviews and stuff that he did and said continue to help me after he's died and continue to help other victims that are child sex abuse victims out there um like feel validated and understood and like we're not alone and understand ourselves better by here because of him like he put himself out there Like, I give him so much credit because he was always very honest about himself and what he was going through. It's honestly, I was just saying this to my friend, uh, it's one of my favorite things to watch interviews with him where he did, where he does interviews with, like, radio DJs where he'll, like, start talking about these really, like, big concepts. He'll start talking about, like, his mental illness, his mental health, his childhood how that affects how he's a father, how he's a husband, how he's learning about, like, how to treat people and, and, like, the behaviors that he's done and how to get himself out of those patterns and all, like, those big things that you learn when you start working through trauma. And it's hilarious to me because the DJs are just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Because radio DJs are the most, like, toxic masculinity misogynistic assholes that you can possibly that I can possibly think of they're all like that none of them are none of them know anything about their emotions or how they feel about anything they don't think about that like how they treat people or mental illness or anything like that like some of them like every once in a while there's an interview where someone you can tell from like the things they're saying to him or the questions that they're asking that they've been through something somewhat similar and they have an idea of what he's talking about but the majority of them it's hilarious because he's talking about this stuff because that's the stuff that mattered to him and he is that's like his way of talking like sharing and to help people yeah that's what you do like that's what I do on here you talk about the things that are important to you in hopes of helping other people figure things out and having an easier time of it than you did and this is the stuff that's important to him and most of the time they just look like how do we get this interview to end how did this interview with this rock star end up becoming this like therapy session? I don't want to think about these things. I want to go back to being a 
like in toxic masculinity where we don't talk about our emotions. <laughs> but yeah, that happens a lot when you watch interviews with him. But I really give him, I love, I always love him for that because he was very honest. Um, yeah, that's just, and I am like that too. I, especially now, um, I've always kind of, like, when people ask my opinion about things, like, there is, there was, like, that codependent people-pleasing side of me, but, like, my sister, for instance, when I lived with my sister, and she, like, got, like, a, like, was trying to figure out what to wear when her and her boy, whoever she was dating at the time, would be going out, or she, like, got, like, bought some new clothes online, and it came in the mail, she would, like, call me, or she would come into my room and, like, be like, what do you think of this outfit? Because she knew that if I didn't like it, I would just tell her I don't like it. Or she would be able to see on my face that I, that I didn't like it. And I would just tell her her honest, my honest opinion, because that's just always kind of what I was like. So, uh, I feel like that's, like, a weird after effect of going through, like, a, a narcissistic, abusive family because every everything in the families like that is so hidden and never talked about so like when you're past that you just like even when I was still stuck in like the mindset of not realizing how abusive my family was I still would be like the one that was trying to be honest with people like with everyone like I remember even when I worked my first job when I was like an adult when I moved out to Milwaukee I worked at a grocery store and like I remember one time someone asking me they're like why don't these people want me invite me to this thing and I was like they don't like you I don't know why they don't like you but I just know that they don't and she was like you know what thank you for telling me like an honest answer and I was like yeah like I don't know why they don't want to like I don't know why they don't want to talk about like don't want to talk to you about it or or why they're being like that because they were being very like petty and high schoolish, so I was like, I don't know why they're doing that, but I don't have a reason to not tell you the truth, basically, is how I saw it, and, like, later on that night, like, the people who were doing that, like, uh, the friend that I had then told them that I just was honest about it, and they're, like, they were, like, shocked, and I was like, I don't have a reason to lie to her, um, like, it's dumb, <laughs> that's always how I pictured it, so it's, like, a nice, like, brush, breath of, look breath of fresh air to watch Chester talk in interviews because he has always been super honest about everything that he's gone through which is really that would be really hard like I talk about everything that I've gone through um and when people ask me about stuff I just honestly tell them what it was like and I don't like I don't try to um downplay it or anything like that I try to be as honest as I can like obviously like the really brutal things I don't talk about unless you're stupid enough to ask me about it where that ends up coming out of my mouth but <laughs> um other than that uh I it, it's not it, it's easier for me to do that though because there aren't a lot of people listening to me like, there are a few people that listen to this podcast every week, and there are, 
you know, I have, like, social media where some people see what I say, but it's not that many. And honestly, like, um, I've made, like, some TikTok videos about that stuff. And when, like, 200 people watch my videos, I start getting almost, like, anxious that so many people are watching them. And usually that's the highest amount that my videos on there get. And, like, part of me is, like, I want more people to watch my videos because then more people will see it and there's a higher chance of the people who need it to feel, like, validated or to be able to get, like, the help that they need to figure themselves out sooner would figure it out faster if they saw me. But at the same time, it absolutely terrifies me with the idea of so many people seeing something with me in it. But, like, he was on, like, a huge level, like... Like, Linkin Park's first CD is, I think, still the number one, like, top-selling debut album of all time. It was, like, the highest-selling album in the 2010s, like, the first 10 years of 2000s. And it sold, some, it sold like, over 20 million copies in the U.S. alone, plus, like, what it sold worldwide. And, like, Linkin Park had just millions of people buying their albums every year they would sell out like 20 30 40 thousand seat stadiums consistently until he died um he always had this huge kind of platform of all these people listening to everything that he said so like him talking about like all of the abuse that he went through and like the effect that it had on him would be that's a lot for a person to know that so many people are hearing you talk about this. It's one of the double-edged swords. Like, because so many people heard him talk about it, he helped a lot of people. Like, so many Linkin Park fans are people like me that have gone through, that were child sex abuse victims or just child abuse victims, and um, found him, and he helped, you know, save a lot of our lives. But at the same time, it's also hard because that puts a lot of pressure on you. Like, something that happened in, like, actually the first episode of the Falcon and Winter Soldier show was, like, when Bucky was talking to his therapist, a part where I thought it was good what his therapist was saying, was she was saying, like, you know, a lot of people care about you. If you just, like, learn to trust people, you could, you know, you need to learn how to cultivate friendships because... You, a lot of people love you and do care about you and want to help you but you know he just doesn't trust anyone so he's not letting any of those people in um and uh dude I was so on a roll I was talking about all this important shit and then my my freaking like buzzer went off because something that I ordered from Target got here. I got my uh which I guess is a weird like detour from the Chester um Bennington talk that I've just been going through. But I totally lost I completely totally lost my train of thought. I know I was talking about like abuse stuff and and everything, but Oh, I know. I was saying about how honest he was about it. They, oh, I remember now. I got it. I got it back. Um, if you hear noises, it's me opening the box that I just got to make sure what that it's what I think it is. Um, but yeah, it's just 
One of the things in the episode that I liked when they were talking about, when they had, like, Bucky's therapist say that, one of the things that kind of happens when you've gone through a lot of trauma and, like, everybody around you knows that you've been through a lot of trauma is that you feel, like, this pressure almost to be normal, like, quote-unquote normal or healthier or not, like, regressing in your mental illness because... It's like this weird amalgamation of emotions where you like went through all this stuff and everyone around you saw you going through it because you were going fucking through it. There's no way you could ever have hid what you were going through because it was so severe. Um, and they know that you've gone through a lot in your life. So you, you like almost have this like thing of like you don't want to worry people and make them... They, you don't want people to worry about you and you're and if you're going if you're like falling back into into like those bad habits and you're becoming like really like depressed or suicidal again after you've been in that place you like almost try to um it's like you almost try to like hide it or like not or like when you are going through times where you feel like that because that is a normal part of recovery is having moments where you do regress for a little while and then it's not like a straight line you like you have times where you struggle and then you get out of it and then you're fine for a while and then you struggle about something else you go up and down and back and forth that's totally normal but when you've like been like in such a serious place where you thought you were going to die for a long time and didn't think you were going to survive it and then you get out of it and you don't feel like that anymore you feel like this responsibility to um you just feel this responsibility to like almost uh not show when you are struggling because you don't want the people around you to worry that you're falling like back down and aren't going to become suicidal again and they have to worry about you and it's like this weird feeling of after you've gotten out of that you know and like you can look back at yourself (laughs) you can look back at yourself and be like holy fuck I was a gigantic mess then I was a disaster I didn't treat I wasn't like treating the people in my life well because I was like completely overwhelmed by what I was going through and um And, like, you can look back at that and realize that and not want and know that you, that, like, I just think about myself in, like, 2018 and 2019, especially 2019. And it's, like, amazing that I had people in my, like, it's, I just think of, like, the friends and, like, my sister, like, especially the friends that I had, that I had online that I was talking about earlier this week, that, like, stuck around with me because it must have been so hard to talk to me then because I was so depressed nothing made me happy like absolutely nothing pretty much like I was so I would like was just struggling and in pain so much pain like every day and it it must have been so hard to watch that and not be able to do anything about it and just hope that I would somehow get out of it 
but it must have been so hard to deal with that. But I think once you're past that and you realize that about yourself, that it must have been really hard for people around you to see you like that. You don't want to do that to them again. So you have this, like, instinct to kind of hide when you're struggling with things and not talk about it because you feel this pressure of wanting to, like, not let those people down and also just, like, not make them scared again after everything they've already gone through with you that you're getting to that place again and so it kind of leaves you in this weird box of not being able to talk about the things that you're really going through or the things that you're feeling with anybody because um because you don't want people you don't want people like the people you're talking to to get scared that you're going to get suicidal again and and that you, your life might be in danger almost again after getting past to that. So it's like, and like Chester had that on like a huge level. Like I honestly think now enough time has gone by for me to have perspective about him dying. I honestly think that that's like a major indicator or a, a big part of probably how he ended up attempting like, why he attempted that night, and why it ended up, like, not why it ended up being successful, but, like, how he ended up attempting that night, because, like, he was like that, he went through all of the stuff that I've gone through, plus some more, and, um, and it's just, and he was on, like, this different level, like, there was, like, the version of him that like fans saw at the time and um there was also the version of him that like his closest friends and family would see there was a version of him that like the people from his hometown and his in his family that were not good people for him would see there's just like he was on this huge level where he was this seen as like this inspirational figure for a lot of people for a lot of fans and a lot of abuse victims like I was just saying and so he must have felt pressure to keep up this idea that he was fine even when he wasn't fine like um like Mike Shinoda when he started doing shows by himself after he died um I remember in one of the first shows he did solo he talked about how Chester went to um how Chester went to rehab again in 2016 and it was nobody knew about that outside of like the people that were closest to him nobody else like fan wise nobody knew that happened in that year like that year was one of those years that they were making their album and you know it's easy for bands just to say oh we're still working on it but and that was it like they didn't really have to say much to explain why the album was later it's easy to just say as part of the creative process it just took a while um, it wasn't until he said that that people knew that he even went to rehab in 2016 again and it was like struggling with drinking and in 2015 leading up to that and all that like there's a lot of that stuff that for like obviously they would want to not talk about that because it was his own life it was his own struggles and they wanted he didn't like he tried to keep his private life as private as, it, as he could like, he would bring his kids to things and post about pictures of them online, but at the same time, 
Like, he would have... I know he has to hate, like, the fact that his sister and his mom and his sister's husband, like, just post about these, like, personal family, like, fights and arguments so openly. Like, at some point last year, his... Um, his wife's, like, one of her closest friends was openly arguing with his sister's husband for, like, weeks on Twitter every day, and they were just, like, talking about all this personal family stuff, like, that happens in every family super openly on Twitter where everyone could read it, and, like, that's not something that he would want because he tried to keep that stuff as private as he could but at the same time I think that the fact that like fans and stuff saw him as this person that gave them inspiration that if he went through being a child sex abuse victim for seven years and his narcissistic family and all that kind of stuff that we could also get through what we were going through that he felt like he couldn't be honest and tell people when he was really struggling or with depression stuff and Um, anxiety things and going to and like drinking again because trying to deal with all of that and he couldn't deal with it like he didn't tell people about that stuff until their last album came out and I think the fact that he felt that pressure is why he couldn't and I'm sure it's why he didn't tell the people that were closest to him like the like Mike is his closest friend in Lincoln Park and the other people around him like that's probably why he didn't tell them whatever was bothering him around the time when he died because he probably felt the same thing like he didn't want to work like now that I have like gone through this myself like I feel that pressure myself like I don't like telling like that's part of that's why this podcast basically started or exists is because I had I was going through a lot of things last year and still am and I needed an outlet to get this stuff out, but I, even if I had, like, the friends that I had here and we, you know, we're still talking, I still wouldn't want to tell them this stuff because I don't want them to worry about me. So I go through the exact same thing. Like, I don't tell my sister or any of the people that I consider friends still that I talk to online, basically. I don't tell them any of that stuff most of the time when I'm struggling and upset and having problems with something like, um, you know, having nightmares again, like I talked about yesterday or just dealing like things coming up with the, uh, with trauma, new memories coming through, whatever it happens to be. I don't like talking about it because with the people that I have, that I do have around me, because I don't want them to be there's this weird balance of like I want to be able to be honest with them but I also don't want to scare them and make them worry that I'm when I say that I'm struggling with something have them worry about like picture me when I was at my worst and worry that I'm going to get to that point um but like the whole problem of course with that is that if you don't have another outlet for all of those feelings and emotions like a therapist or um you know, or, like, something like this, like, a podcast or something, where you can just, like, info dump all of your feelings out that you 
feel like you can't tell anybody else because you don't want them to worry about you or be scared when um when you're going through all that then you just keep it all inside and then it just like explodes out of you at once so I feel like that's what happened to him those last few months that because everyone around him always said that he was feeling much better and doing the best as he's ever been and I am sure that he was but even when you're even when you're doing your best things will still like pop up and it um whatever popped up in his life those last few months like there's a lot of rumors and stuff out there about what it was I have a pretty good idea of what it was but I don't want to talk about it like that when I don't know for sure at all that I'm right it's just my own instincts from watching um like my honestly it's just my instincts and intuition from watching a bunch of interviews with him and kind of learning almost from watching his interviews and being able to read people like you do after you've been every trauma victim especially like a severe trauma victim uh can read people extremely well because we were so hyper vigilant that that's what we did for so long so I feel like from that I learned a lot about him and can kind of read him well and because I watched so many interviews and listened to many podcasts and videos and stuff about him um, with him in it, I mean, that I have a guess about what was going on, but either way, like, he probably downplayed it to the people that were in his life because he was probably worried that they would worry about him, and he didn't want them to worry about him, especially the members of, like, Lincoln Park. They had, they, like, put off putting out, it took their, their CD that they put out was taking took like longer because he was dealing with his own stuff they like didn't get to tour like they really wanted to because he broke his foot for the last cd so they didn't get to do what they wanted to do with that one like i'm sure he felt like he was the reason why like everything was being delayed and didn't want to have to deal with bring any more of these problems to them like i can just imagine that happening and like he didn't know he didn't like have like a a podcast or a journal or a therapist maybe that he could like dump all those feelings out on like I can um yeah it's just I'm sure that's what happened and it makes me really sad because because I'm going through the same kind of shit and I just always think like he should if I'm here he should be here too Um, especially because he did that's the other side is that he did help so many people so I just wish that he could still be here and helping us even and just like and even just for himself to be able to like live his life he was so close like the thing with his that I always think about whenever I think about him and his dying him dying is he was so close that like last the last like thing he needed to let go of was the idea that his that like the reactions to his trauma was his fault like and that is a big thing but like he was getting so close I could just tell from the things he was saying and when he was interviewed or like the things that he put out in social media or like the stories that Mike told about him after he died that he was so close to getting that realization that 
his reactions to his own trauma was not his fault. It's his abuser's fault. It's just a matter of him learning how to deal with those reactions. But in his, the way he dealt with it up until his death was saying, like, well, it's my fault. I'm doing this to myself. And that's just, like, the self-defeatist, like, self-hate thing that brings you, like, spiraling downward. Um, like, I still have to stop myself from doing that. I still do that sometimes. Um, and, it, like, he just needed to kind of realize, like, yeah, I'm doing these things, but I'm doing these things because of the things that other people did to me. Like, if he would he was so close to figuring that out that if he would have just gotten that over that little hump, he still would have been able to be here. Um, but I guess it just wasn't meant to be.